What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special episode of the Kings and Priests podcast. I'm here with two guys that I highly respect and also really like. I'm here with Tyler Preeb of Missional Labs. What's up, Tyler? Hey, what's up? How you doing, Mike? Glad to be with you again. Yeah, dude, it's good to have you on here again. And then uh, the one and only Prophet, the prolific writer. I use the word prolific when I think about your writing, dude, but it's good to have you on here. You're still uh, nameless and faceless, but it's good to have you on. Yeah, I got to keep the mystery. No, I appreciate, I appreciate being back. This is super fun. I'm looking forward to this. Okay, the whole reason we're doing this is because uh, Tyler, I think you posted a tweet thread uh, about mission uh, on Twitter using this chat GPT thing from OpenAI, this bot. And I thought, oh, that's hilarious. I'm going to do kind of the same thing. And so I kind of played around with it or whatever. And um, and then Prophet came in with his hot take uh, about thinking <laughs> this is just uh, what is everybody so excited about? So um, let's do this. Let's just like, Tyler, why don't you give us like, I don't know, give us a quick like 30 second overview of like what this thing is, how it launched, how you've used it. Um, we'll yeah, I mean, look, I make no claims to know anything about ai or you know i I was just doing the the thing the other day where you upload selfies and it's and then it spits out a hundred like uh cartoonized like versions of your face you know i was just doing that um so i mean i was literally sitting here thinking like when i first tried out the chat gpt thing i was like this is the fruit of a bunch of people's like crazy smart hard work and it's just it's insane chat gpt really really blew my mind actually um yeah same because of the, the the like domain specificity of it was like ask it a question about code, ask it a question about history, ask it a question yeah. about theology, ask it a question yeah. about whatever. Um, Jake and, and I, could, Jake and I were literally like co coming up with a sermon for the next two weeks of teaching on the incarnation, and we were literally typing in questions to it and getting like yeah. correct theological responses back. Just, well, yeah, and, and you know, like two hours playing with it, really subjective stuff like what is the gospel, uh, you know, and and it spits out a definition, and then you hit try again, and it spits out another definition, and they're all pretty good, you know, mm-hmm. like so. So I'm just sitting here trying to like wrap my brain around what what inputs are they are they drawing from, you know, and and one of my good friends said, Chat GPT gets you past the blank page incredibly effectively. Right, so it's not that the output, the final outputs are like copy and paste worthy, you know. But it's like if you're staring at a blank page and you're like, "How do I create a job description or a curriculum or a framework or two paragraphs about something?" It 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 honestly blew my mind. Like I've actually started using it productively. It's crazy. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. You mentioned you'd used it for a few things, um, just even over the last few days, right? Yeah. So, well, I, I mean. Not very many things like that that I would say are like serious work, but yeah. um, you know, uh, hey, um, you know, what are the what are the major job responsibilities of leading a nonprofit? Okay, spits up ten really effective categories for me, and I'm like, thank you. This is very helpful. I can use this to shape conversations about, you know, job descriptions or who does what role, me or my partner, you know, like all that stuff. Um, or, hey, if you are going to design a curriculum for example, uh, that that mashes up um, discipleship and entrepreneurship or something like that. How, how would you do it? 
And it, it, and then it's like, okay, now emphasize like marketing and media a little bit more. And it can literally take this and, and put together like really robust outputs. I, I don't know how else to say it. I've just found it to be really compelling. Um, yeah. You know, it obviously that, that's laden with so many like yes, buts, which I'm sure profit will get to, but just on the surface, like some of the, some of the heavy lifting is pretty, is pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so too. Profit. What say you, sir? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yet again playing the role. I, I do I was... want to pause really quickly though. I do want to pause really quickly by giving the caveat that you are a, you are a brilliant writer. So you don't necessarily, uh, like I look at a blank page and just get intimidated. You look at a blank page. I'm making a lot of assumptions here and just see opportunity. So no, I've never I'm, suffered up, I'm from, operating at a deficit. I've never <laughs> suffered from writer's block. What's that? No, um, no, I, I, I'm playing the role that I was born to play, which is the cranky old man. But like the, as I'm looking at the output, cause I've, of course, like everybody's been on Twitter and it's just been wall to wall, like chat GPT screenshots, like for, for weeks now of like, it can do this, check it out. It can do that. And I, I think Tyler is a hundred percent right. There's a lot of stuff that it does. That's, surprising the level of nuance and the amount of information that you get back and the well it's not it's not always this way but the the number of i've really only seen a few examples where it's like okay this is absolutely bogus data or something that you just i can't use because it's it's not true something like that right so it seems to do a good job of all that here's the challenge though is that i think for a a clear answer or an answer that you are in your mind like i kind of need something like this to come out it does a relatively good job spitting that out but it's kind of like putting a query in and getting back like the wikipedia entry right like you're going Mm -hmm. to get some data and that data is going to be accurate to your question but it's not going to be at a high level of nuance and the the actual writing that you're getting back the text you're getting back is pretty much, I mean, this is just me, maybe this is just me being critical, but it kind of feels like it's on like a sophomore in high school to sophomore in college kind of level. There's a lot of facts. There's very little, it can't do analysis, right? It's not able to, um, you know, really compare or contrast two things or, or do any kind of higher order thinking on it, right? So the challenge that I, or the question that I have is, I look at this and a lot of the answers that people are getting they're like, oh, well, I could use this to never have to do like copywriting again, or I could use this to, I this way I would never need to do all of this kind of writing that I do for inter office stuff where I'm sending people these these big things. Or wow, this is gonna just totally get rid of all these jobs that we have in our company where we are having people do this task. And I just kind of scratch my head and I'm like, well, then why do we have, why do we have people doing tasks? that are so simplistic and mechanical that literally like a, a, a not even that sophisticated, it seems like, cause they're trying to iterate on it. This, this AI bot can do to me. It's a question of like, aren't we, we, we could probably do better than that. Right. Like as humans, if, if we're, if we're able to be replaced by this thing that it actually can't in a higher order at all, it can't make these higher, you know, comparisons and and so i don't know just that that's the interesting thing to me is i think it does a good job of what it does but to me what it does is kind of like the the real surface level ways that you can use you know the written my take as i've stated on twitter publicly (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, dude, like I think I think the word sophomoric is the thing that stands out to me. Because uh, in my in my limited experience with it, it's like the things that it creates for you are true, and they're even comprehensive, but they border on cliche, right? Because what else are you going to yes. get if you aggregate if you aggregate a bunch of knowledge and then and then spit it out? You're going to get these midpoint cliches, and I think. I think it was Andy Crouch who was kind of talking about this on Twitter. And he was basically like, okay, look, as a writer, he's like, I'm going to use chat GPT to basically give myself a baseline of what not to do, or what not to talk mm. about. You know? <laughs> That's a good and, point. And, and Prophet, that was kind of your thing of like, hey, look, in the future, if AI is spitting out text and poetry and, and narrative and all this stuff, like, then the, the only way to be more human is to like, move away from the cliche, like be more weird, as you said it. And I think there's actually like, that's actually like a very profound thought, like a very profound idea. What does it mean to develop a, like a differentiated voice from the aggregate outputs of like a, a massive networked algorithm? You know, that's a, that's to me, that's like the interesting question. Yeah. So like, like, for example, I saw it cause you said that it was, it was really cliche. I think it's a really good word is like you, you would see, especially the only you know, academic field that I have any background at all is history. So I was seeing some of the returns back and then you'd read it and you'd say, okay, yeah, that's like, that is a paragraph that could be in a textbook about that thing. But there's, but it's also like the most kind of like, it does that thing when you're, when you're in high school, where you say the same thing three different ways in the paragraph, because you're trying to make up word count, you know? So like, there's just a lot, not a lot of meat to it. Right. And, and I, I, I was seeing a lot of people say, oh, well, like, you know, forget it. Like all of no student is ever going to submit an original essay to me ever again. They're just going to use this. And I'm kind of standing there like teacher, were you allowing content that was so poor that it's indistinguishable from this? <laughs> Cause like, as, shouldn't you be challenging your students? Shouldn't you be asking them to make the kind of leaps of, you know, of learning kind of leaps of logic where they're not just kind of spitting Wikipedia back to you. So I do think it's going to, now I'm kind of switching on myself, but I think it could be a good thing that we have this, but it might be a good thing by just disrupting like everything south of the line of like the most human way to create content. Because all of that stuff down there, like now it's literally just it's going from, hey, we're paying, you know, content farm people in, in some other country to churn out emails for us with, that are totally lifeless and kind of dull, but they, they're trying to write a bunch of them so they need to go fast. And now that's just literally being done by a machine. So when that goes away, now the only remaining stuff to do is stuff that really is, yeah, I don't know, more human is is the only way that I can kind of describe it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. That was, Well, that was going to be my, <clears throat> I guess, observation on it is that if you can find a way to use it in a way that is the most helpful, like what's, what's the utility of it, right? It is doing the thing that... <clears throat> you would maybe rather not have a human do right like so tyler in your situation you're using it to like even like start the blank like the most basic process of, of looking at a job description right well it's like if you're doing instead of you having to sit there and think through that for 30 minutes you're having this spit it out in 30 seconds your brain power your focus your energy is going to go to creating things that have more humanity and soul to them right so i guess, I guess it is like you said it is like how it's being um how it's being used Right? Yeah, look, like, okay, so like, well, I guess just, just to expand on it, like, from a purely, like, pragmatic, utilitarian uh, perspective, 
it, it does what technology does. It's a force multiplier. It creates leverage. It, it creates efficiency. Right. You know, that, that's what it does. But what are, what are the second order like effects and implications of it? I think is like the more interesting question. Um, Cause we're going to find all sorts of ways to like use it to give ourselves shortcuts of time and energy and whatever. But I think we know by now that the promise of productivity always comes with a hidden cost, right? Like we have the, we have the most powerful tools and technologies ever. And we're, you know, the cultural fruits of that and the personal individual fruits of that in 2022 are not amazing by and large. Right. So, so, so the interesting thing is like, I don't know. I like to say that one thing I, I say a lot as a mental model is like the map is not the same thing as the journey. And just because you have like, you know, just cause you can pull information on any topic or create a framework for any idea or, uh, you know, it's like, Mike, imagine that you said, okay, what do I want to preach about for the next 12 weeks? Okay. Give me a 12 week outline on the book of Hebrews. Okay, sweet. Here's your perfect 12 weeks. Like I literally did that. It took five seconds. That doesn't mean that you're a better pastor now because you have like a better, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. you, still have to, you still have to know it. You still have to sit with it. You still have to engage it. You still have to apply it to a context and a people. And you know, the map is not the journey just because you have a, just because you can spit out a 12 part sermon series on Hebrews doesn't mean that you, that you know it, you right. know? Well, it's, I think Luke Burgess, who is a big Rene Girard guy, he would say that it's, it's a, it's just a mimesis engine, yeah. right? Yeah. It's copycat. It's, it's literally, yeah, it's, it's literally, but it's not just a copycat. It's, it's each one of us plugs into the stream of all of the other things that everyone else is saying all of our answers become pressed into the same mold. So like, for example, when you write a job description, that's a really good example because it's like a thing we can all wrap our minds around, right? When you write a job description and you're crowd, you're literally crowdsourcing, if I understand correctly, and that's a huge if, <laughs> you're literally crowdsourcing from a massive you know, language pool that's trying to say, well, most job descriptions for this kind of look like this. So you're guaranteeing that your job description for your position is going to look a little closer to everyone else's than it would have been if you had just written it. Now, the next person that goes in and does that, they're also, so So all of our output is now being pushed toward this singularity point of like, it's all very similar, right? And we see the same thing on like, you know, Twitter does this already before AI. Once you have one guy who breaks the algorithm with kind of being, uh, running a guru account and, and putting all his stuff on a on a, a social media engine that just fires stuff out at the perfect times and it all, now someone else kind of copies his style and then everybody kind of becomes like that, right? Mm -hmm. So I think if anything, it just shows us that, yeah, like you said, technology does multiply force, but I think it also channels it kind of like in this, you know, all in the same direction. And is that good or bad? I mean, I think it depends on what you're trying to do, but you have to know, you have to know that that's what it does. Well, yeah. And it, it feels like the, it feels like we're on a train that is moving faster and faster towards um, the internet becoming like a fundamentally untrustworthy place, right? Like think about like deep, <laughs> like deep fakes and AI and like the, I think this is part of why Elon's going so hard at like individual verification because individual verification is like going to be your only currency on the internet in the future. Like how do I know that the text coming out of your, your mouth or out of your account or your whatever is like true and genuine and authentic. And like, what does that even mean? You know? Uh, so, so, and I think there's going to be a lot of blowback to this eventually. I don't think it's caught the mainstream yet. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's super interesting to me. I, I, 
I'm, I'm trying to remember who said it. Uh, I think it was yesterday on Twitter where it was kind of like this. We, I feel like we're in the kind of the early stages of this AI thing, like where we were with like crypto web three in the metaverse 18 months ago, where it was like, this is this bright, shiny new thing. There's a new activation for it every single day. It's all anyone is talking about. And we need some time to see like, actually the real use cases kind of like survive, um, not a crash, but kind of a bit of a, like people are over this kind of thing. Right. So is that where we're at right now, where it is just like, cool obviously this is getting cheaper to create products that allow users to use so we're just gonna have to like be on this like 18 month to two year maybe four or five year journey of like people trying to implement this into every single kind of product and service you can imagine until it kind of swallows itself whole and it's we're really just left with like what the real true and good use cases are for it like is that kind of where we're at with this do you think um, I mean, I'll, I'll go first. I'd love to love to know Profit's answer, but chat uh, GPT three or whatever to me, you know, people call it the Google killer and whatever, and that's probably dumb. And there's going to be a million other iterations and things that happen between now and then. But but the, like, think about Google. Like, Google has been fully integrated into our lives, right? People ask, it, it's the front door to the internet. It's the front door to knowledge. Like, we all use it all the time, every day, mm-hmm. and my instinct is that this is going to be like that. Like, I don't like, this does feel like a bit of a Pandora's box to me. Like, I don't know how you go back from it. And, and it it feels like it's going to push us more and more in this direction of like, um, you know, humans becoming sort of the editors and curators of knowledge rather than the creators of it. Um, you, you know what I mean? Like, like I don't have to sit with the discomfort of the blank page anymore. Um, or the, or they would have been like pre Google, pre Wikipedia is like, I don't have to go to the library and learn how to like find the book and synthesize it and integrate it. Like what it's, whatever that process is, it feels like it just took a stage job. So I'm sure there's going to be some ebbs and flows of it, but it, this to me feels like a new thing, like in the world. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're wrong. I think that it's to me. You, I mean, you guys are pretty venture familiar guys, so you know how like this blows through, right? Where for for five minutes, it's everybody has to have social in their big tag cloud of like things that we do, and then it's going to be you know whatever crypto, and then it's going to be um, what was the most recent one? Metaverse has been a big one, and a lot of these things are just flash in the pan, right? I, I personally think that metaverse is probably going that way. I just don't. There's no there there to me. Like I don't see that that's a thing that wants to happen even but this like yeah for for six months or a year or two years there's going to be ai and everything like everybody's going to be running up you know groups doing this and it's going to be the new product thing i don't i I agree that i don't see it just like disappearing totally i think this will end up being something that's really interesting and and fascinating and useful for many people but i think that you know like look you can prompt it and get back lots of factual data stuff, but you can't say chat GPT, write me a novel based on, you know, like, like it just, it, it's not, it's not able to do that. And if you create a natural language, you know, thing that can do that, it's just going to be synthesizing novels that already exist. So I think at some point, is a there's a point at which this stuff, I think just reveals the really mechanistic stuff that we're asking each other to do. And how look, it's really kind of pointless if 
if we can if we can plug this model in and, and have it do this thing that we're paying somebody to do, why are we doing that? And I think that's the that is to me a little bit of a scary thing is is how many people have been doing work from you know grade school all the way till they're in their forties that really is not that it's not that important for a person to do. And I think that's kind of sad that we've kind of we've asked people to kind of live and work in that world. And I think this will disrupt a lot of stuff. But I also think that it will probably show people like, look, maybe you're supposed to be doing something better and different than just, you know, slapping the same words onto the page over and over. You know, think about like, like, I, I agree that that question, that's a great question for a writer when he's like, okay, this is, you said it was Andy Crouch. He's like, this is how I shouldn't write it. And to me, that's like, that's super challenging because it is, it's very tempting and easy as a writer to just go for the low hanging fruit of like, ah, oh, I, I can write it like this. And I think this will really force a lot of people to up their game because there will be so many people generating content faster than them, slicker than them now, you know, like, and, and maybe they'll just be able to put out a few edits and they can just go harder than you. So you're going to have to have something that's going to differentiate you as a writer that's going to make you un, uncopyable, unimitatable. And I'm, I think a lot of that will just come down to your personal knowledge base and the stuff that you have synthesized that nobody else is going to be able to fit together uniquely like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I literally just pulled up Twitter and David Friedberg, who um, has, he worked at Google and he is kind of really, I don't know if you guys listen to the All In podcast, but he he's on that every week. Um, he literally just, literally as we're talking, published a tweet thread about this in many ways, this exact same thing. It's a mouthful, but I want to read some of it to you guys because uh, I think it literally speaks to exactly what we're talking about right now. He says, um, I think what some of the predictors have wrong about generative AI is the expectation that it will create content in its current one-to-many form, one movie, one piece of music, a book consumed by many. It seems more likely that AI won't replace the creator in the traditional model, but rather will become the personalized content creator for each individual. Everyone can enjoy their own personalized movie, music, book, news article, video game experience. Um, he says, this doesn't seem feasible today, but as AI models train on emotion, they may move away from ob- objective mimicry to producing something that starts to feel novel, perhaps more novel than human creators, and then things will change fast. Um, that's kind of interesting. I know that was a lot, so I'm not necessarily asking for a response to that from either of you, but... Um, it's definitely an interesting perspective from someone who's really, I, I think, been pretty, pretty instrumental in well, building some of these products. So it's super fascinating because what I'm sitting here thinking, even before you read those tweets, was, um, was basically like the 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 only frontier that the individual is going to have, the only like competitive advantage, is going to increasingly be their own soul, their own story, their own unique perspective their own creativity like the thing that only they can bring to the table right so helping people discern that and and create that and articulate that um obviously as the shadow side of some of the radical individualisms or whatever but but it's like like how are we different than the machine as humans but then what's the what's challenging about ai is that just said is that um it's literally like giving yourself the capacities to create um, entire worlds, language, stories, movies, video games, whatever, um, distinctly out of your own point of view, out of your own perspective. You know, like it, like 
fantasy worlds almost in some ways, probably. Like, what does it mean to have a, to write your own movie that only you consume? Right. Like, what does that even mean? What does that mean? It's so weird to me. Mm, yeah. Um, and so this, this like hyper generative ability of each of us individually to create our own worlds is, is radically new and different. And I think kind of scary in some ways, that's just my own cards on the table, but um, so the, it will give the individual power to create worlds based on their own perspective without having to like do the collaborative work of any other world building that we would typically have to do. You know what I mean? Like that's, what's crazy about it. Do you, do you think that it goes, cause I've, I always have to publicly remind people that like, I'm not a Luddite, right? Which is like the old, there's a historical the Luddites were machine smashers. They 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 were so upset at the fact that like factory looms and all these yeah. machines were taking their jobs that they would just go into these factories and beat the crap out of everything. And, you know, I, I really want, I as a Christian want to avoid that point of view because I think that it's not how, I think any kind of technology, like a pen is technology. It's sure. something that you can't do with your body. So it's technological, right? So any kind of technology in a way is a gift from God to us, like using our mind to kind of warp reality is really cool and, and God wants us to do that. So I'm fine with yeah. all that, right? But I do think that there's something interesting about, you know, this is where it gets really weird, right? The, the, the thing to me that separates chat GPT from Google is that Google does the same thing. It tries to return you a list of informational stuff based on a query. You put in a query and you get back information. But but Google gives you multiple different sources of information and it asks you to use your mind, to use your judgment to yep. select one. Chat GPT is oracular, right? right? It, it, it just says, here, give me this and I will speak back to you the correct answer, which I think is a very weird thing for us to want. <laughs> it, it, it's like us removing our responsibility, setting aside our humanity and saying no no just tell me like what tell me what the answer is right it's to me it's the same thing with like mid journey and some of these like art ai tools it's like instead of expressing myself outwardly i'm look you know giving a list of of queries to the to this machine i want it to return to me yeah. something in place of myself this is you know I, i'm asking it to do my work as a human and i do these are the kinds of things that it makes me understand like okay i can see how some people you know, Frank Herbert, as always, is way ahead of us when he he has the the line in Dune. You know, thou shalt not make a machine in the likeness of a man's mind, right? And and the the with the idea that like, look, there's a line that you maybe you just shouldn't aren't supposed to go across, which is trying to. There's a difference between using technology to further what humans are able to do, for good or bad, and trying to make a human technologically. And I do think that that's kind of like how this feels. Not that that's what anybody's goal is, but. It, that maybe is the line of discomfort for me is, is the part where it tries to ape, you know, human capabilities or human, um, like human expression, which is really interesting. I don't know where that line is, but that's maybe where the discomfort comes from. Yeah. I like that word oracular. It's like, what, like what happens when we start having spiritual conversations with chat GPT? Like, you know, like who am I? What should I do with my life? What happens after we die? Like, uh, am I going to be okay? Like what happened? Like that's really, really interesting stuff to me. Um, I mean, well, that was going to, yeah, well, no, it's, it, that's not a, that's not a, what if, I mean, those are maybe, maybe you're not following the the weird enough yeah, people, yeah. but that's absolutely going on on Twitter now. It's like very weird, you know, extremely online people just like posting these bizarre results that are coming out of chat GPT around 
um, around spiritual questions. And it's sending back these like bonkers, like very on the nose, very spiritually correct answers. And you're like, okay, this is kind of weird, right? But like, I I also, you know, this for a while, I, I think this is part of the whole thing where we are going back to a much more like spiritual period here. And I think people know that they feel that intrinsically they, they, they're very all burnt out on the super materialist mm-hmm. stuff. And I don't know if that ends up happening in reaction to this kind of thing that people just say, yeah, no, we can't keep going down that, that way. We have to be, have to go figure out what it means to be more the way we were created to be, or whether this is part of that of people using this stuff to realize like, hang on a second. Like if even, if even the, the return of a massive natural language model is telling me that I have a purpose and God loves me, then maybe it's right. Yeah. You know, I don't know which, which of those is the way it goes. Well, so that was going to kind of be my question to kind of close this and not to be, not to close this with two of uh, on the nose of a question, but what are the like ramifications for anyone let's say pastorally navigating through this, or let's say a builder, right? Who's like a follower of Jesus and is like into this stuff and is like starting to think about ways that this can apply to things like, I don't know, church building and formation and Christian content and uh, any of this stuff. A a lot of times Tyler and kind of the world that you inhabit a lot, like do it like, and, and I know there's probably been people that have been writing a lot about this, but what are, what guardrails should we be thinking about this through? as like Christian content creators, builders, founders, like, like, how do we, how do we think about all this? And I don't, I'm not necessarily asking for some like deep theological explanation here, but I guess just like gut check feeling like, like, like what's the sandbox that feels okay to play in. And then where do we get outside of the sandbox and get into dangerous territory with this stuff? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, man. I'm still working through a lot of this in my own head, but um, I guess part of how I'd summarize what I said earlier is that like technology is giving each of us the ability to assert our own will to power in an in increasingly like democratized ways. Right. So I can like, I can build my own tribe and my own story and my own brand and my own sense of self and all this stuff using all these like increasingly available tools that have lower barriers to entry. But the question is still like to what end, right? Like what's the fruit? What are the results? Take the long view. And is it leading to human flourishing? Is it leading to societal flourishing? Are the people that are the most like extremely online becoming like the healthiest people in our society? You know, like at some point we're going to wake up to this stuff. Um, There was an article Tim Keller posted or reposted that talked about how in the last couple of days that talked about how like um, the way that we, the way that we act and react to other people socially um, is totally restructured on the internet. Like we, like we have to comment on every single thing. We rage, we give really strong opinions. We do all these things in an internet based relational structure that we would never do in like a human based social structure. Right. And so we're going to have to continue to ask these questions. Like what does human flourishing look like? Um, What does it mean to, flourish in our in our spirit right like what is that what is the um the fruits of the spirit is you know with all of these inputs is it love joy peace patience and kindness that are becoming the outputs and if not like what's what's broken about that um and so there's there's going to be like a, a discipleship interpretive like how do we help people think through the technologies that we're using and what they do to us i also think like this may be a bit more but I think that that there's a real possibility that the internet reaches like a tipping point of like 
this is no longer a safe place to be kind of a thing. Like right now, it's like this amazing thing that we love that has like some dark corners to it. Um, but but there's a real chance that that could like, even just with some of the like, um, I mean, it's funny. I think that the the visual AI stuff is actually like quite a bit more potent than like the chat AI. Um, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? And some of the stuff like, some of the stuff emerging on the edges of the, like the visual AI stuff is like scary and weird, you know? Um, and I'm just like, man, I don't want my, like, I wouldn't want my kids playing around yeah. with that when they're seven years old, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, and so what, what happens on the other side of all that is my question, you know? Or a- Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that, I, I think that a hundred percent, like I, I'll just anecdotally in my life, we, my, my family has reached the tipping point where I, the way that I interacted with the internet as a, as a child, as an, as even as an early adult is not the way that my children will interact with the internet. Like we've made decisions around like, yeah, that was fine then. And now they won't have a phone until they're 16. And, and, and that's, and that's not just like, I'm not a, a, you know, scaredy cat kind of person. I believe in making, helping my kids to be able to deal with the world, but there's just a certain level of like, yeah, it's not, it's not, and not even just like, because they'll find porn. It's like, no, no, no. Like there's just levels of, Mm-hmm. addiction and um unhuman ways of living that i just don't want them to be exposed to while they don't know any better and so i i do think I, to me a large amount of this will be people will just start making decisions to either be more aware of how they live and work and stuff or less aware and you know but but i i, I think some of that's already happening though i think there's a lot of you know to, to maybe have a more hopeful note on it like i think there's a lot of conversation that i'm starting to see now around like yeah, what's the end game here? <laughs> like, come on. Like, we, we, I think there's a lot of people that are realizing that you can't just keep walking this stuff out um, it, to the event horizon with no end in sight. That at some point you have to kind of pull your head back out of the out of the out of the machine and say, "What am I doing here?" You know, there's there's a tweet. It's like a, it's one of those um, like little templates that people tweet out over and over, and it's. It's the the structure of the tweet is it's kind of a joke where at the beginning, the first half of the tweet, somebody's arguing online about some ridiculous, like very niche, you know, meme or something. And then it says you wake up and like you realize that it was all just a really bad dream. And now you need to go and like defend Constantinople from from the barbarians. And and it's and but the people that are tweeting that they're doing it out of this deep sense of like longing. Like they wish that that's what could happen to them, that they could wake up and it was all just, it's all over. And so I think that there's a, it's a point at which some people will just decide like that's possible. You can just switch your phone. Yeah. I mean, you know, and so I think, uh, well, just to comment yeah, on that, yeah. like um, there, there's going to be a whole other thing on the other side of being burned out on this like techno utopian mm-hmm. thing, right? Like, we're going there. Is it going to be a return to the classics? Is it going to be a return to like an agrarian way of life? Is it, there's going to be some sort of counter countermeasure because people are going to look for like, what, what has stood the test of time? Like what's durable? What is true? What is like timeless? Like that, like we're, we're going to go back. Like there's going to be a backswing towards that stuff one way or the other. And I think Christianity has a really, um, will be very appealing in that phase by the way, which profit is what part of why your work is like really important from my perspective. Yeah. Oh, it's like, it's the thing, it's the thing that I keep like 
seeing and, and what made me want to talk about and write about the stuff I do is like, I was, I'm been watching people. It, it, I think, I wonder if Jordan, why do we have to talk about Jordan <laughs> Pearson? I, I wonder if, I wonder if he's like the, the, the tipping point here really in a lot of ways is he's like this person who kind of came out of the wilderness of like the internet, you know, five years ago and started saying like, you can't keep living this way. eh? And, and people like people knew that that was right. And yet he's also, I was having a conversation with some people the other day and, and they were saying like that they felt like he just, it wasn't working for him. Even the things that he's saying you should do, they're not working for him. And I was like, mm. yeah, like lovingly, like he doesn't know God. Like he, he, he's, he's trying to borrow all of the trappings of Christianity without accepting the, the, the claims. So if you don't, you know, none of this is going to work if you're just LARPing it, like you have mm. to know God. Right. And I think there's so many people that are coming back to Christian aesthetic because it makes them feel more grounded and it makes them feel connected to the real world. And, you know, Lewis says, you gotta be careful. You can't play with that stuff. Like God's going to get you, you know? So I'm, I'm very excited about that because I think that there's a lot of, a lot of space for us to still be standing here when all the other stuff is kind of faded yeah. away. And that's kind of how, the role the church has always played, but it's great. Amazing. Well, guys, thank you. Thanks for this impromptu convo. Um, I really appreciate it. We were going back and forth on Twitter and I said, well, let's just, let's just get on Riverside and hit record and talk through this. I think we should, should have more regular conversations like this. Yeah, I, think, I, I love, I love you guys' perspective. Um, sure. and it just helps me even to distill down what I think about it. I, I, I very often am like the, Oh, look at this shiny new cool thing. Look what it can do. Um, and it takes me a while to even just get the focus to go, what do I actually really like think about this but below the surface so if nothing else this has been super helpful for me and i know it'll be super helpful for everyone um listening so tyler uh prophet man thank you guys so much uh people can find you guys mission labs tyler prebe on instagram twitter the internet uh prophet what is your Substack? What what's the exact link to your Substack again it's uh, theofuturism.substack.com. Theofuturism.substack.com. I always say it's uh, literally one of my favorite substacks that I subscribe to. Proud paid <laughs> subscriber. So anyways, yeah. guys, thanks for taking some time on this Friday afternoon to do this. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll do it again soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Awesome, guys. Thanks.